Welcome to another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. I call this one Support the Opposition. All about a few work stories, a few funny things. It's Wednesday. It's a good day. It's a hump day. It's a day to laugh. Carry on. If you're getting this on your favorite platform, wonderful. It's on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Podcasts, TuneIn. If it's not on your favorite, let me know. We'll get it there. We'll make it happen. Wildly popular. I'm, I've not done a lot to promote the last uh, episodes. I put them on the uh, Facebook page. And if you've gotten to listen, wonderful. If it's new to you, show some love. I love the five-star ratings that are on some of these uh, pages where the podcast is available. The last week has been quite eventful. I started a new uh, corporate job, and so I've been on a whole new sleep schedule after 20 years almost of working <laughs> late nights, um, restaurants and, and managing departments and stores. It's very different to not be, you get home at whatever hour, you stay up as late as you want, you use the daytime and the sunlight any way you choose, and then you just work that evening. People used to ask me, why do you do those jobs? I said, freedom, man. I don't run into a bunch of traffic coming home late at night. I don't have a bunch of traffic going to and from work every now and then, you know, because you coincide with that five o'clock commute. But it's quiet at night. You get home. You can watch movies. You can do whatever you want. Now, there's a certain intricate process that goes into being mature enough to do that. All right. And what I mean by that is if you've worked some of these jobs, especially I, I never worked at a gas station or any of these folks, but if, if you're working into the night, Often it's hard for people to turn off their mind, their frustration. You know the the things that go on in the workplace do not easily disconnect, uh, or as, as people say about personality disorders, disassociative. When you leave work, you don't often have the ability to just let it go and start fresh when you get home. Now, so wonderful music in the car if you have other routines like. Okay, now I'm going to check my phone. I'm going to, you know, basically flush everything out of my system. Do it. This is why so many people who work those jobs end up with narcotics or alcohol or some kind of problems because they can't let go of those things. They need to do something to get like get it off their mind and unwind. Let me tell you. For me, there's a wide variety of things. If I bring up my music folders, it's going to have. Uh, all kinds of softer sort of things. I love listening to my passenger. And the old things that I grew up with, James Taylor and John Denver and Seals and Crofts and Neil Diamond, and the things that my father and my mother you know, kind of put in front of me, uh, sticks and things that I run across, and they were, man, that was in the CD case too, wasn't it? And you think about those things from time to time, and you, you end up with some good stuff. Um, and those kind of take me back. It takes my mind to a completely different time period, and I lose whatever happened at the restaurant or, or the store I was managing, customer issues, employees having disagreements or being inefficient, um, which drives me completely wild. You pay people. You give them 100% of the money to do 100% of the job. You know, everybody wants their whole paycheck. You know? And when I think about those times, boy. Some wild decisions get made. Some some crazy things get said. Things that would not fly in today's world. And I'm not going to use anybody's real name because I don't. But there was a kid named um, Hobbs. Oh, Ro- oh, Roy, the natural, 
who uh, there was a night that we were uh, changing up who was driving. We were working um, for the uh, the pizza Gestapo, and um, he was sending the folks home who were not the late and the closing drivers. But those people happened to have been males. And he, he, he looked at the people who were on the floor and he said, if you're not swinging, you're leaving. And he, uh, he was referencing if you had anything swinging between your legs and the, and the girls kind of took it in stride. And, but I don't know. There's, there's a different skin that's on people from other times. They've been out in the sun more. They're exposed to different things. It's it's a different tolerance from people who grew up in different time periods. It really is, and uh, I, it was it was just so silly. But me and him have had uh, a handful of other exchanges that had to do with uh, maturity. And he had a child while I was working with him, and so I, I he asked me. He said, "How do you do it? How do you?" How do you get along with the girl and save money? And like, this is so crazy. And so I'd sit him down and I'd say, this is what a budget is. <laughs> You're the manager of this place, right? Your labor's on a budget. Inventory's on a budget. Put your household on a budget. Like, treat your home like a business. Is your pantry stocked? Do you have inventory? Do you have cash? Do you have assets in the bank, right, to to pay your bills, right? Or is money coming in for the bills that are outgoing? This is a very simple process. Why everybody disconnects them, I don't know. Now, see, this is where I'm going to tell you they need to be closely intertwined. But when you you, know, you have the drama of the job, you can't let that affect your personal life. No, 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 no. And there shouldn't be drama that's affecting the job. So in many ways, I'm not being hypocritical to say these things whatsoever. What's a good example of drama at the job? All right. All right. There was a situation where a young man thought I had been with his female partner. And this has been 2006 or seven. I mean, it's been 15, almost 15 years ago. And he came into the, he was a former employee, came into the store, and I always kept, um, protection with me not trojan or whatever i always kept uh i had a glock 17 no i had a 17 i had a 22 i carried with me which glock model 22 is a 40 caliber uh, weapon and you know we would deliver to some unscrupulous areas and it's, of course it's not part of the you know it's a violation of company policy to have weapons and so forth but uh we'd had some drivers who'd had people call them out to locations and then try to get them out of the car so they could steal their car or pull them into an apartment. So we're talking, and this young man walks in. It's it's Mario. It's me, Mario. And I don't know if you heard that story. It's in another podcast. And he comes in, and he's, hey, I know about you. And he's, you know, he's letting stuff fly off the handle and says, you know, you better not let me catch you out, you know, with your kids or something. And I always kept an airsoft gun, which looks, it's got a metal slide. If you ever want to buy one, you ever want something that looks like a, a, a weapon, go to Amazon, look up Taurus, T-U-A-R-U-S. And they have Taurus uh, airsoft guns, but they look just like um, a Glock or some of the um, HKs and stuff. And they have a metal slide and rubber grips. It, it is very much, 
you know, a pistol to anybody who's who's seeing one. Who, so, I, I, I think I had it in one of my hips, and then the, I had my weapon in my probably in my back pocket, or and and what I do is because of the way I've got a nice gluteus maximus, right? So I, as you take your pistol and stick it right um, around the side, almost where you'd tie a bikini if you were a female or something. So it's just outside of the where your round shape is and sits there nicely because the handle rests on top of your butt and then it goes down beside of it. And this didn't have it hooked to my waistband, conceal holster, no, 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 no extra hardware. Just the, it's just slid in my pants. Well, he's come in and I'm leaning against this table. There's a counter between us. He's speaking over the counter, almost like he's at a podium and he's a preacher. I can picture this now. He's giving a sermon. Yes. You have been with my woman and whatever. So he's he's telling me his story, which was not true. And an insecure young man. And I said, you know, I said, the problem I have, young man, is people will believe anything about Michael Craver. Doesn't matter what you heard, you'll believe it. Possible, probably plausible, right? Anything's plausible, right? I was working at Lowe's Foods when I, I was doing something I got accused of. and I was doing something on the floor and I got accused of something else. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, definitely was you. Somebody played a joke on somebody. And I came back with him and I said, look, um, when you're capable of anything, they'll accuse you of everything. And then I thought, well, that statement works so many different ways, right? They can accuse you of everything. You're capable of anything. So Mr. Mr. Mario said his piece to me. And um, we don't tuck our shirts in while we're out delivering or what just wasn't part of the uniform or whatever. And there was a young man who was standing out of his view behind the little cubby hole where they toss the dough and make the pizza. And he didn't know he was there. He didn't know anybody else was in, anybody else was in the store. I don't know that he cared, but he didn't know. And I remember I just took my arms, <coughs> raised them up behind my head, almost like just, you're yawning, you're stretching, and it picked my shirt up enough that you could see anything that was in my waistband. And I said, listen, I don't want anything unfortunate to happen here or now or in the future. Like, what do you want? What do you want? And he was like, this is not over, okay? And I was like, okay. Um, it's never come up again. Uh, I've driven by the guy in traffic, and this was years ago, not far away from that moment. And he flipped me off going the other direction. But uh, never, I don't think we've ever had another word, conversation, instant message, nothing. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, there's a scene in The Substitute, Tom Berenger, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson plays the, the Black Ghostbusters and a lot of other things like Oz. Great, great prison show uh, on HBO. And he breaks this wooden paddle. Tom Berenger, who plays the sniper, he plays the catcher in uh, Jake Taylor in in Major League. He's in a lot of stuff. And uh, he's a substitute teacher. He's in the office. He's watching him break this paddle. He watches the principal do this. And he's like, wow. And the principal looks at him. He says, breaks the paddle. Looks at him and says, power perceived is power achieved. And I was like, okay. But that's kind of what people do. Sometimes they take a stick and they smack it on the ground and then they don't have to hit you with it. They scare you visually. Um, 
I don't wish any ill on anybody, and I certainly wasn't going to try to shoot my airsoft gun or otherwise at uh, at the Mario Brothers. They they're they're well known for dodging fireballs and turtle shells and whatever else. So he would have been just fine. But whew. but he did um, he did sort of bring my kids into it. I just thought to myself, hmm. But I had never missed a day of work back then. I've never missed a day of work up until today. I have a note written here to myself that says, you should announce on every show how many days it's been since you started working. Never missed a day, nowhere, nope. And this doesn't include that my dad used to take us to the job site when we were younger. Uh, so, it, you know, but this is only for people who've had me on the payroll. So let's put it that way. Never missed a day of work on the payroll for anyone. Uh, since June 16th of 1998. And that is 8,128 days today. 22 years. Not bad, huh? Not bad at all. Matter of fact, today's the 16th. So it's uh, 22 years and a quarter and three months. So interesting, interesting times. But um, what else do I have here that's... that's uh, a fun story. And he said, if you're not swinging, you're leaving. Yeah, that was... It was something for the time. That would never flow today. He'd have, he'd have been social media... What do you call that? They'd have doxed him or or tried to find him and cost him his job and tweeted at the pizza place and everything else. Um, Here's a little note. It's a, it's a productive thing. I used to stay and talk way after it was time to leave. Would never be home on time. You know, the the female might accuse you. What are you doing out so late? Huh? Not coming home. You guys closed it. Whatever. And I said, look, just call the store number, man. I'm, I'm there. We're talking. We're guys. We just can't shut the fuck up. And <laughs> that's what it was. And I eventually gave her the manager's cell phone number as well because we would walk outside. We'd lock the place up and set the alarm because it needed to be set by... Uh, a certain uh, time, and we built a rapport with each other. Tell you what kind of rapport we built. I'm coming into work one day, and here is the manager, and he is shuffling to get out the door. He's clocking out like in front of me. He's like, hold on, and he's going to clock out in front of me and leave, and I'm like, you're closing, and he's like, I'm leaving. And I'm like, are you quitting? And he's like, no, my daughter, I think she broke her neck. And I was like, oh, my God, she broke her neck. Like, did somebody give her a pile driver? And he was like, he just looked at me like, you know, what else would you say, Michael? You're you're a wild man. And he said, no. He said they were jumping on a mattress in the living room and doing flips. He said she th- she landed on her head. She's acting like she can't move her arms and legs. I'm headed over there. All right. He leaves. There's somebody else there who can run shifts, so we're okay. And um, I have decided I'm just going to be a silly guy and try to keep the levity. I've got a, a great article called Finding Levity in Tragedy. And that's I'll try to remember to link it to the uh, post whenever I put this on iTunes and everywhere else. But he left and he took off for the evening. Um, we didn't know what was going to be the fate of you know his daughter or, you know, what are we doing? We're just working. But we're concerned. He's our friend. And I was trying to come in and do various humorous, off-the-wall things while we were 
without uh, our fearless leader. So one of the things I did was uh, I came in and I, um, gra- you know, I was holding my neck and, you know, doing the whole, oh, anybody got some Motrin, you know, whatever, which was pretty mild, pretty lame, you know, oh, yeah, hurt your neck, you know. So that didn't get much of a reaction. And I thought, this, this is not going well. Well, there's cardboard inserts that they have between some of the boxes and for some of the packaging. And a couple of hours had gone by. So I came back from a delivery, took that cardboard insert, wrapped it around my neck, and stapled it like it was one of those neck braces that's usually foam, you know, like they have uh, for people who've been in an accident. They need that cushioning. Well, this was cardboard, and it wasn't comfortable for me to use because it's rubbing against my jaw and stuff. But I'm walking around, and they're like, oh, my God, Michael, you're you're going to hell. You know, and I was like, well, it, it didn't have anything to do with this. And they said, you, you better hope Richard didn't find out about this, you know. So the big dick, he's coming back at some point, right? Or he's going to check in with us. Like, he's, you know, he's at the hospital. But somehow, some way, he's going to hear about this. Now, this was before a lot of Facebook and texting. and all, There wasn't nobody who had a smartphone then. Okay, this is like 08. And lo and behold, like 10 minutes later, Richard's wife walks in the door. Oh, my God. She looks at me. She's like, Michael. Oh. And she's great. She's almost like got her mouth almost always shut. She's shaking her head with her eyes closed. Just <sighs> complete disappointment. His daughter's with her, the one that just came from the hospital. They're looking at me. Here's the big dick himself. Here's Richard. He's looking at me. He said, you son of a bitch. I said, how am I doing? He said, he said, you doing all right? I said, I am. My neck's hurting a little bit. I said, I'm glad she's all right. Now, the people in the store were like, why is he not jumping the counter and just ravaging you? Why is he not yelling at you, beating your ass? What is going on? How is he not upset? Well, folks, I'm going to tell you the secret. Because my friends are better than your friends. That's why. Because I had been in constant contact with this young man. He'd called me from the hospital. He called me from the ambulance. He let me know everything was good. He was coming back to the store eventually. So he doesn't know what I'm getting ready to do as a practical uh, joke. Um, and the people at the store are completely in the dark that I know his daughter is just fine. And she's coming back to us. So everything was was. Not, I didn't ask permission, but that's one of those things where, like, I had enough slack in my, let's say my, my account had enough credit to pull that one off, and um, it went okay. I don't know how people would react in 2020. Uh, maybe different, but, you know, it was... It's like I say, it's it's one of those things where it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, is what many folks will, will say about different things. And I understand that. I wasn't about to, you know, not do something I thought would be very comical because I thought it would get me in hot water. I've always, and I've said this many times on the podcast, I've written about this, I'd rather have the memories than the sleep. So, you know, I'm up, I'm doing something stupid. Um, and I'd much rather have tried and have a bad story than have... No story. Uh, 
Um, what's a good example of trying something silly? April Fool's Day. A couple of years ago, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fuji uh, is managing at the Brinker restaurant. And I send him a message at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Hey, I'm coming in. I need your help with something. I do have a smartphone at this point. I sent him a picture of this document. I've taken the logo from our company, put an official greeting, uh, opening message, it's a memo, you know, and, and put all this official language in it. And I have rewritten what the policy changes are going to be effective like May 30th or something. 60 days notice. And it's April 1st, and I'm headed to work. I go in there. I hand him these policies that I've written. Mr. Fuji. Here you go, buddy. He does not read them whatsoever. He trusts me, I guess. And he takes this and puts it on the bulletin board for everybody to read, puts a thumbtack in it, and says, All right, everybody, this is an email from corporate. <laughs> Pay attention. These things are changing. And I was like, Wow, what the hell just happened? And he proceeded to back up everything that was in there. Didn't even look, didn't read it. Now, a little bit later, he read it. And he said, oh, this one, that's going too far. They're going to know it's a joke. It's April Fool's. You know, they're going to see this. They're going to know that was a joke. They fought about it. This happened Friday afternoon. He put that up at like 5.15 in the evening. One of the things was that server uh, servers in North Carolina make 2.13 an hour. And I said, there's a new law that has something to do with compensation and tip sharing or whatever. And we're lowering the hourly pay for servers to $1.75 um, because of this new law. And they were, like, mad about this. They were trying to call the Secretary of Labor and call people when it was after 5 on a Friday and uh, talking to the guests. And the guests were like, yeah, they can't do that to y'all, man. <laughs> um, it was like smoking policy is that you can't smoke on the property. That includes in your car. Can't smoke in your car. No designated smoking area. You get caught. You can, you know, up to and including termination. And I put that on every step. Um. One of them is that we used to take these surveys. Uh, well, we, we, I'm sorry. The guests take the surveys, but we're responsible for whatever to maintain our survey average. And if you didn't have a certain average, they were supposed to cut your hours or do like an action plan with you. And the last thing that was written into the changes that I put was if you could not maintain a certain score, the couple of the options that you could have going forward were you could ask to speak with a mentor for tips and tricks and, and how to improve your score. They give you one-on-one -on -one help. The other one was you could ask off on Sundays if you're a religious person because uh, we would allow you to go to church and pray for your scores to increase. You could ask for divine intervention. And he read that, Mr. Fuji. He read that and he said, there's no way. No way. He's like, what? They're going to know it's a joke. What happened? They started arguing that you can't put religion into these documents, and how dare our company do that? <laughs> oh. I love being compelling. Let's put it that way. I've, I've said some very atrocious things in good humor that people have taken, and uh, they've, they've quit Facebook groups that I've been in and ruined self-images. Just because you're making an observation that is completely ludicrous. I don't, I don't think really bad things about much of anybody in the world, to be honest with you. Um, it's just so strange how people take things that I say and they put so much weight uh, behind my words. Um, it's flattering, but I don't think you should. 
I'll give you a good example of this. It was a guy who was washing dishes um, at another Brinker location. And um, what would be a good name for him? We'll just call him um, Porcelain because he was the dishwasher. And Mr. Porcelain, uh, I don't think we have porcelain dishes. <laughs> That's pretty outrageous. Um, he would talk a lot of trash. He'd sit over there and he'd yell across the bins and over the shelves while he's washing dishes, Michael, blah, 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 blah. And I would say, listen, if you have a disagreement with me, we're going to wait till after work. We're going to walk out in the parking lot. We're going to stand next to our cars and talk like gentlemen. And people would laugh. He rode a bike to work or he got a ride from his girlfriend. He didn't have a car. So every time he said something crazy, I took it back to something automotive. He'd say something wild. Mike, why don't you shut your... And I'd say, Elijah, I'm sorry, Mr. (laughs) Mr. Porcelain. His name was not Elijah. Yes, it was. And he, he would yell at me. And I would say, you know, I value your opinion. I was going to ask you about what kind of tires to buy. And then I was like, you don't know anything about cars. And we'd all laugh. And just It's not funny. I don't know why that's funny. It is. It's pretty funny. Uh, but he would, he, he would just continue to bring stuff up. And one day, I took and I rotated my hand like you're rotating a steering wheel left to right. You're just moving your hand from 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock and back and forth, right? <clears throat> and the other was I took my other hand and, and took it like, you know, you've got a water hose and you're spraying something. And I said, uh, listen, Mr. Porcelain, I don't want you to think your job's in jeopardy, but I saw him talking to some guy out there today, and they asked him, they said, can you do this? <laughs> can you do this? You're qualified. <laughs> and he was like, hey, man, fuck you. <laughs> he said, but I mean, he was, you know, and he was making good money to be back there slinging some dishes and cleaning bins, and it's a very dirty job. I don't envy it. I think he got paid less than he should have. But uh, I had fun with his attitude and his demeanor. And let me tell you the secret relationships that I have with people. Some of the most obscure things that happen with me are like he would, I remember me and, and, my girl were coming back from a hockey game in Raleigh, went and saw the Rangers and the Hurricanes, and we're coming back. And he calls us on Snapchat to show us the animals in his apartment, show off his place. And he was just like the most friendly guy, treated like whatever happened on the clock never happened. And you don't know how much, as a professional wrestler and a a theatrical kind of thespian kind of guy that I am, you don't know how much I appreciated that. That it was like everything that you do in front of people for a show is completely disregarded when it comes to like how much we respect each other personally and what we really think of each other. We would trash each other right in front of everybody. And then when nobody's looking, it's like, what's up? How you doing? All right. You need anything? All right. And we would talk, you know, and it was, it was just the the duplexity of those relationships. And this happened with many people I was working with. Some of the girls would come over and they'd say, Hey, you need anything for your party? And that's, you know, I don't ask for help, but if you want to look and go get, you know, and, and they would go refill drinks and, and grab dishes and do things. But that was because when it came time to, to take care of them at night, um, 
when it came time to take care of the ladies at night. Uh, they needed to leave, and they were ready to leave, and they didn't want to have to clean up their section and have some guy go behind them with like a flashlight and an inspection list. And I would say, look, you know, the salt and pepper shakers are in the right place. The chairs are pushed in. The chair, the floor looks fairly swept. Like, I can take care of the rest. If it comes up, I, I can take care of the rest. There's enough dead time. Why would we keep you guys around? You know, I'm not like, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like doing the white glove inspection on everybody and. You could tell me, like, habits make people and practices and all that stuff. And I would say, no, those are the kinds of things that run labor into the ground. They piss your people off. They keep them just that one or two minutes too late, and that's, like, the last straw. You know, like, if you'd have never had that five minutes where they stayed extra to do some wild thing, they wouldn't have this thing where they got sideways with you or the company. Let it go, right? Have some fucking gray area. Just, you know. Ask them on another day. So you owe me something tomorrow. And catch them in the beginning of their shift. Before they get tables. Whatever. And then have them do something extra. Because they're, that's the time that they can mentally you know, absorb that in a much healthier way. I mean, I'll tell you this. I was working for, um, for Young Brands years ago. And this kid was trying his heart out. And the best I know, he's in the military now. His name is Terrell. And Nathan, don't you go in the military. Um, Terrell is working the front line. And he's working his heart out. And the general manager's standing next to me. And he's he's watching him. He's watching the screen. He's, come on, we got to get these orders out. And he's taking an order just as fast as somebody will give it to him. He's packing stuff very efficiently. He's not wasting any time at all. And he's just, you know, this guy is next to me, and he's just, come on, man, we got to get this. And I'm like, what in the hell? How, what, what could he do differently? You couldn't keep up with what he's doing right now. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, if he gets mad or you get sideways with this kid and he leaves because he wants to walk out the door or because you tell him to walk out the door, I'm going with him. And I absolutely would have. Um and I had bargaining power. I mean, I was managing and training people at three different locations, and it would have been very, you know, I think the situation probably would have resolved itself right there. He probably would have would have said, you know, all right, well, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Like, you guys work together, and, you know, we'll we'll call it bygones and, and we'll deal with it tomorrow. And I thought, I, you know, I didn't just work to have that kind of leverage or at least that kind of weight to carry around for nothing. You know, you work hard with people, and then every now and then you, you, as Stephen King wrote in the end of the Storm of the Century, the quote goes from Michael Anderson. He says, this is a cash and carry world. Sometimes you pay a little. Sometimes, mostly it's a lot. Sometimes it's everything you have. Um, and I think to myself, you know, I don't ask for many favors. I've, you know, I've worked, what, 8,100 days. Every now and then I ask for something. And I'll put in like 10 times the amount of work to ask for like one, you know, thing. And then if you don't give it to me, then you're just an asshole. Because I've made, I've made it completely unrealistic for you to, to even think about denying me. Um, and I think if other people went the extra mile like that in, in the community and with the people around them, they would have already sort of covered everybody else's little handicaps. Yeah, I'm trying to work to let you leave early. Okay, well, if you're working to let me leave early, and it makes the world go around, right? 
we all just kind of overlap each other. You got all these shades of gray that take care of themselves. I open the door for you. You open the door for me. So, ah, that open door thing. Acknowledge everybody. Yeah. If you do it for everybody, then when you ask anybody to do it for you, you're well within reason. That's a good place to be, well within reason. I mean, I just, I think to myself that, that people who are working so hard on themselves and the community around them, um, every now and then you show a little bit of, you know, you show your ass. You know, I'm not talking about you girls on Instagram and stuff. Um, every now and then, yeah, you, you probably got to show your ass. And I'll give you an example. Um, the, um, why was he complaining? I came into work on a Friday morning and, um, I've already said his name. That's mean. Oh, Ron Jones was standing next to the, to the manager. Same guy who was yelling at, at Terrell. Uh, I'm not doing a good job of kayfabe and names on here. Um, and he's telling Ron, he said, you believe that some guy told the district manager that, you know, that's <laughs> like, yes, I did. So what would happen was, and if you're ever, if you're in management or you're one of these folks, cause I have a lot of folks who do different administrative ish have responsibility, they have responsibilities in their job. They talk to me, they listen to me. Don't admit to it in public. It's bad practice. But we were having a labor problem, and so the district manager came to me, and he said, "What what's going on with this labor? And I said, let me tell you something. His name was Mike. I said, let me tell you something, Mike. Labor is so high when I get here, it's almost impossible to bring it down to what you want it to be. Like, it, it never started out right. You'd be amazed at the miracles we're working. He was like, mm-hmm. I said, tell you what I'll do. I'll just start printing out. The labor report in the afternoon when I get here and you'll see how high it is and then we'll go from there. And he was like, do that. Keep those tickets. And we did. And now I've got documentation. And it became this thing where like if you're one of these people abusing the system, but now it's been documented. Ha ha. There you go. You know, I've, I've worked places with, uh, while I'm talking about documentation, somebody was talking to me about, um, said they were having a conversation with a coworker. Coworkers, spouse, whatever has um, a problem with uh, arousing themselves or whatever it is, stimulation, dysfunction, as they might call it. All right. So girl A is talking to girl B about girl B's husband, so I, who I guess is person C. He ain't in the room. It's A and B conversation. Hmm. Somebody overhears him. That third person then reports girl B for sexual harassment. And you go, wait, wait what? You go, yes. She wasn't talking to him. Why, you know, where is this? I just look at that and I think, that's wild. That's well, that, you know, the company's got a zero tolerance. And I said, yes, but think of it this way. And I want you ladies or gentlemen or whoever might think you're the victim of something to remember this. In order for something to be trespassing, you have to have it posted, or you have to acknowledge them. You have to announce that they are trespassing. Mm. Same with harassment, and that's the same way by law. If you don't announce it, then it's not harassment, you know, when it comes to, okay. 
Now, why it's different in the private sector, I've never really understood. But if you say something to somebody and they come back and go, Oh, come here, Mr. Manager. He was harassing me. Is he? Because you didn't tell him it was harassment. You didn't tell him he was like in your space, what he said, what to stop, nothing. This whole like face your accuser thing and acknowledge. (laughs) No, this is a game for cowards. Where people can go somewhere else and go, oh, I wasn't comfortable with what someone said. Did you tell them that? Well, no. Why do I have to tell them that? I don't know, because you got some goddamn self-respect. I mean, think about it. You know, let them know. Be direct. So strange to see things like that. I just... It makes you makes you wonder. Let's, here's here's Hobbs walking around the natural himself. If you ain't swinging, you're leaving. And somebody goes, "Oh, that's that's harassment." Is it? Because all he did was basically separate people people anatomically and then send some people home. Yeah, but he's talking about. I mean, he's talking about the one fundamental difference you have between the two. He didn't say if you don't have Y chromosomes or whatever genetic difference. It's. And he didn't say it in a way that, like, and this is the other thing when people argue about racism. If you're not denying someone equality, opportunity, or taking away their rights, you're not doing anything to them. You can call people whatever names you want to call them. You're not denying them liberty or life or privilege or anything. You're just expressing freedom of speech. You can call men pigs. Oh, well, you're denying me my species. I'm a human being. I ain't no fucking swine. Oh, that's outrageous. Is it? Because when somebody else does it, there's no double standard, right? They're not a hypocrite for being... Right? But are they? Hmm. Think about that. Got these folks out here running around trying to tell you how it needs to be. Don't practice what they preach. You know, the kind of kids on college campuses who would try to deny someone who's going to come, be a speaker, give a lecture, give some free thought. No, I don't like what he might say. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have freedom of speech on public campuses anymore. Oh, got you, got you. Just so strange to see people operate this way. You know, I, years ago... um. I just, you know, I always thought that it was one of the most thought-provoking things I'd heard. Adelaide Stevenson gave this speech uh, on the Vietnam War protesters. And uh, I wish I had it in front of me and play it and put it in part of the podcast. Um, I tell you what, it's in my archives right here. I'll bring it up. But he was talking about how people um, have it all figured out. And they're going to tell you how it's going to be. Now, you go to college, you're supposed to learn, right? Mm. But what if you just go to college and say, you need to work around me. I've already got all this figured out. What do you think about that? Does that help anybody? No. It skews things into these strange areas where everybody gets this like personalized, special treatment. There's no uh, universal freedom of speech. You don't have standardized testing. 
the things that would make everyone accountable on an individual basis are then all gray area. And you have to be so sensitive to everybody. So you don't have structure, right? You don't have like a two-by-four two by or a solid piece of wood in front of you. You don't have something that you can put your hand on and hold yourself and stand up tall that you can build on. What you have instead is like one of those pin machines or um, where you can put your hand in it and it's got the shape on the other side. You can't build on that. It's like building on quicksand. Let's see if I can play this loud enough for you guys to, uh, to hear it. Adelaide Stevenson. Sometimes it appears that we're reaching a period when our senses and our minds will no longer respond to moderate stimulation. We seem to be approaching an age of the gross. Persuasion through speeches and books is too often discarded for disruptive demonstrations aimed at bludgeoning the unconvinced into action. The young, and by this I don't mean by any stretch of the imagination all the young, but I'm talking about those who claim to speak for the young. At the zenith of physical power and sensitivity, overwhelm themselves with drugs and artificial stimulants. Subtlety is lost, and fine distinctions based on acute reasoning are carelessly ignored in a headlong jump to a predetermined conclusion. Life is visceral rather than intellectual, and the most visceral practitioners of life are those who characterize themselves as intellectuals. Truth is to them revealed rather than logically proved. And the principal infatuations of today revolve around the social sciences, those subjects which can accommodate any opinion and about which the most reckless conjecture cannot be discredited. Education is being redefined at the demand of the uneducated to suit the ideas of the uneducated. The student now goes to college to proclaim rather than to learn. The lessons of the past are ignored and obliterated in a contemporary antagonism known as the generation gap. A spirit of national masochism prevails, encouraged by an effete core of impudent snobs who characterize themselves as intellectuals. very underrated young man in the annals of history, Adelaide Stevenson. And, you know, people just, there's too much content out there today. What's the newest thing on Netflix? What's the newest album? And I just, I can't for the life of me try to instill upon you how important it is to go back and listen to those social commentaries by people like Hicks and George Carlin and Lenny Bruce, these great speeches. Um, I have all of the speeches of Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, these men who are larger than their time, like they're timeless. They gave the speeches then, but those words applicable today, absolutely. 
And you... The idea of being able to do things by force is now done. You look at the protesters. They're going to burn things down. They're going to paint streets. They're create autonomous zones. A lot of recklessness, right? But for somebody to come back with force, oh, that's that's going too far, right? They should be allowed to throw a tantrum like a kid with a reckless energy in your garage. He should just be able to take a hammer and a nail gun and paint and just destroy the place. Make it completely unsightly, almost beyond repair. The way the fires, the damage, the looting has done. Well, you shouldn't be able to just go grab him. Bend him over your knee. And much like you would do when you wrap yourself in a mink coat, you'd wear his ass out. Somehow it's okay to do that uh, if you guys are watching sports, right? You don't don't have any problem watching the UFC, watching the guys in football just run over each other. But being able to grab someone and give them, you know, and steal... Corporal punishment. It gets looked at in this way. Oh, that's abusive. Now, if you send him out on the football field and some other guy gives him a concussion, part of the game, if you do something to curb his behavior, you've broken a law? Explain this to me. It's this excuse of sports. Think about this. Every automotive accident over $1,000 in the state of North Carolina is a reportable automotive incident. has to be reported to the Highway Patrol. Irregardless, $1,000 automotive damage. What happens when these cars wreck on the NASCAR track? Hmm. Now, why is that an exception? Think about that. These guys that hit each other after the bell in boxing matches. That's assault. And it's been prosecuted that way. I mean, the negligent, there's been people prosecuted for homicide for for certain things, right? Sport is not um, an excuse to go above and around the law. Now, there are hold harmless waivers that people sometimes will sign. So uh, when it comes to like you participating in some event against a professional, they may have you sign a hold harmless waiver, uh, and whatever happens, you've given away your right to civil liability. Now, he can't do anything criminal to you, but in terms of being able to have compensation for the damages that he may give all that up. So... There's certain situations in life where we just we look at ourselves and we think to to the forward and the backward of things and go, man, things have gotten so far away from they used to be. Have we played April Fools on ourselves? You remember how I changed the policies to be wild for that one day and Mr. Fuji helped me out, you know? He said, here, right from the administration, this is the email, straight from the top. These are the changes. And everybody believed 
You could say it's a divine order, right? This is the will of God, and people would believe. And they would preach it, they'd yell it, they'd scream it, they'd live it. And these things happen with these social constructs that people have, these groups, where they're tearing up cities and tearing up the world around you. They've complacently done it to your education systems and so forth. Oh, we're not going to raise our kids. So now they've taken away corporal punishment because you'd have to paddle kids to the, to the extent of trying to correct the action their parents let go way too far a long time ago. Parents aren't following up on homework. They don't instill the values of education. They've told them to question the educational system, right? You go to school, you go to science class. Are they teaching evolution, creationism? Intelligent design, you go home. You know, Mom, we're learning about the birds and the bees. Oh, no, you're not learning about that. Well, we're learning about evolution. Uh-uh, God created everything, and the dogs and the dinosaurs and the people all walked together in 6,000 B.C. Did they? Oh. And they tell you things that would undermine the complete education system. Right then, you have kids who don't want to do their work, but you still want to pass them. So you still want to have passing grades. You still want to have a higher graduation rate, and you lower the grade scale. It used to be seven points. Now it's ten points. Hmm. Seems so easy. Make an eighty-nine, get a B. Well, that's the way it always was. You make an eighty-one, you get a B. Oh, didn't that used to be a C? That's right, Jimmy. Mm. You had to make that 93 to get an A. Not anymore. 90 is an A. Hey, wait a minute. That's an extra 30%. That's right. Your education is 30% off. Just like everything you're buying from these shops, these Dollar Generals and Family Dollars and Dollar Trees and you name it. You name it. The product quality drops. You own a few more things. The quality is nonsense. And the world around you is not as strong as it used to be. The purity is gone, right? The whole thing where you paid attention to each other, you acknowledged each other, you opened the doors, you know everybody's name, you're engaged in the community around you. You don't have to have corporal punishment for people who want to be respected by the people around them. But when the whole world is strangers, what do you care what anybody thinks about you? Your network is who likes you on social media. And with 7.8 billion people, guess what? Even the nucleus of people within 100 miles of you, there'll be 100 people who will be your friends and like your posts and talk. And Yeah, they like me. So to heck with the rest of y'all. Yeah, but the rest of us are not going to be the ones who are liking you on social media. However, when your tire breaks down or you need something to eat or whatever, we'll be the ones passing you as you're stumbling down the road. Put that out there for your friends and followers. Foolish folks. If you care about the people around you, you don't go running around threatening them. You might get to the bottom of something. You might have a civil discussion. You might have a gentleman's agreement. I'm not saying me and Mario Brothers would have come to the bottom of an agreement. We would have, you know, met at the coffee shop and said, hey, let's shake hands and put it all behind us. Could we have? Yes, we could have. But 
People don't think like that anymore. Compromise isn't part of things. I put this in my dating lessons. People get very comfortable in who they are. I know my place. I know how much money I make, my car, my phone. These are my finances. If you fit in, you fit in. If you don't, you don't. And I think to myself, wouldn't you like to combine our efforts and upgrade your entire life, happiness, wealth, circumstances for your kids, otherwise? No. Mm -mm. I like it the way it is. Oh, the world's going to hell. It's hotter than hell. You got these crazy pandemic circumstances. How many people can you truly rely on? Oh, you know. Well, hey, man, I can go back to the community where I grew up and still shake everybody's hand and look them in the eye. And we're like, yes, your family's been here forever. Yes, and yours too. And even if you hadn't, you live here? Cool. Glad to have you. Welcome to the neighborhood. What a shame that people can't think like that. Welcome to the neighborhood. Everybody's got to have their... You got to stay in their room, so to speak. Right? Don't eat dinner at the family table anymore. Don't eat at the same time. You're certainly not nourishing your bodies like you could be. And you look back and you think about things and you go, oh, where did it go wrong? Uh, how about paying attention? The simple practice of paying attention. You're a parent. What are you buying? What are you stocking? You remember earlier when I said something about running your household like a business? Yeah. Well, if you fill your house full of trash items, what are you allowing the people in your house to consume? Trash. You don't have that on hand. But they really love Oreos. So? Use them as a negotiating tactic. You know, keep them in there so that they eat those in light of good food. I mean, Jesus. You have the... Like, you're paying the bills. You've got the grocery shopping in your hands... What is the issue? Use structure to guide your life. Have standards and practices. For Christ's sake, have standards of excellence. Eat this, then you can have that. You know, burn this many calories, and then I'll give you this. Are you going to make your kids work out? Yes, I'm going to make them build a metabolism and a muscle memory so that later in life they don't have the same problems. You want preventative medicine, that's where it is. This nonsense where you just let people grow up and their body mass index and the, the unhealthy nature of their youth leads into adulthood. Then you wonder why your medical premiums are what they are. That's why. Because you've let the average person drive the price up. Hmm. I love going to small towns. You know, the gas costs this and the quality is like... That's right. Because they took care of everything. It's very simple. That's why the education's better in those places. They know each other. They care about each other. Nobody wants to look foolish because somebody left their town. That's the old saying, right? One idiot to a village? Mm. What happens when all you guys put your villages together and call it a metropolis? Mm. Seems like one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. You can be like, yeah, but hey, wait a minute. Right. You know, now it's poison from all angles. This corrupts that, corrupts this, corrupts that. And if you don't build the other kids strong to begin with, they can't withstand that temptation to go be foolish, dress foolishly, 
take foolish pictures. How many of you out there have kids with far, uh, smartphones and, and, and devices and things? You've caught them doing something crazy with, something you wouldn't do, something that's probably illegal. Hmm. Why would they do that? Well, they're curious for one. Why would they do it twice? They don't respect you. They don't fear you. You don't have that power achieved as power perceived notion. Nah. You let them have the power. You're answering to them, just like Adelaide Stevenson was talking about. And it's a shame, too, because you have all the resources. You control the resources. You envy these companies that are running things and all the influence they have. Oh, they're buying campaign ads and they're lobbying. And they, Yes, they have the resources. But you also gave them the resources. I mean, you continue to spend your money with them, assholes. You don't want them to have that power. Stop giving them your money. I gotta have an iPhone. Do you? I don't have an iPhone. I'm just fine. So are many other folks. That's your form of social protest. Hold on to your resources. Use them wisely. Anyway, I'm done preaching for the day. It's been a beautiful Wednesday. I need to go out and get some miles. I got my 50 in last week, so I was very happy about that. We're going to add a little music to the beginning and the end of this podcast. I'm probably going to take the Adelaide Stevenson part. If you're listening to the final version, I will definitely take the file and put it into the podcast because it doesn't look like it's got a very good volume on my screen. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I'm going to be recording another one tonight. There will be more, uh, hopefully, more fun things because I got the the book of fun over here and uh, also... A few things about uh, me as an individual and the way that I disassociate um, emotions um, away from decision making and, you know, what that means to my personal life. So uh, thank you for listening and spending your time on me, as always. Wherever you're getting this, maybe give a good rating. Maybe share it. If you got a place you'd like it to be that it's not, tell me, and I'll put it on that platform. Take care of yourself.